Terry Savage, the syndicated financial columnist. You can always find her at terrysavage.com. Hi, Terry Savage. Hello and Happy New Year. A great chance to do new stuff. Well, you do have your new, well, I don't know if this is new, but you do have uh, top 10 money tips It is. For I just posted that yesterday. Yeah. Well, I just, here's my resolution. You know, um, at my website, when you go there to post a question, it pops up, join Terry's friends in her free newsletter. For years, there was an action that I was writing frequently, and then kind of let it stop this past year. So I just sent out a new newsletter with the top three columns I've just posted, Um We'll get, and I hope we'll talk about some of them, frauds versus scams. But yeah, I I just posted top 10 money tips for the year. Now, okay, all of you know them because you've been listening, except look at the first one, John. Did you see the first one? Figure out how to earn more money in 2024. Yeah. That, everybody talks about, oh, I have my money woes. I don't know this. I don't know where to put that. But the real issue is for most people that keeps them awake at night is trying to live on their income. And I'm not gonna be around, you know, being the scrouch that says, you know, pay down your debt. Those are all in there. But I think the most creative thing you can do when you turn over a new leaf is think, what is it that I can do with my time or my talents that is more valuable than what I'm doing now? So if you're at home because you're staying home with your little kids, that's probably the most valuable thing you can do. But there might be something else, maybe helping a friend, maybe taking on another little kid to babysit and make some money off of it. And if you're retired and you're sitting home going, yeah, I'm watching TV, I really hate the world, look at all the problems, think about what you can do. You still drive? That's a valuable service to someone in a similar position who can't get to doctor's appointments. So there's a way to come up with something that uses your time and talents. And that should be your first money task for the new year. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. A lot of times when people talk about getting to Social Security eligibility age and wanting to cash in, and you tell them, no, 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 don't, 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 go get another job or find another way to make some money to get you over that hump to get you to the maximum age that will get you the maximum return. Exactly. And, and you know, I don't want to act like everybody has the choice of going out and getting rich once you're retired. But if you go to AARP's website, aarp.org, there's a whole section on literally how to make, it's not just so much how to make money, but how to make use of your time in those years when you've given up that full-time job. Boy, I surely can understand that. But we're living longer these days. So time to use that time wisely. Every week, don't you get this? You've spent so many minutes, hours and minutes online. So I can usually justify that because of course I'm online and reading stuff. But I know I waste a lot of time online too. And and we do, we all do. We Time is the most precious gift. It's more valuable than money because time can leverage money if you're younger. So Invest more. That's for sure. This may be uh, the article that some of this may be the article that some of our listeners um, copy, pay, uh, paste, and then paste into an email to their kids or their grandkids or somebody else. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's, it's right up at TerrySavage.com. Top ten. Ten money um, tips money to tips do now. Number one: figure out how to earn more money in 2024. Number two: know what you owe. Number three: set up a spending plan. Four: increase your retirement savings. Five, know your investments. John Hansen was railing about that last night. 
Um, and the list goes on at terrysavage.com. Did you see this uh, article in the New York Times about how they're trying to claw back money from some young people who were getting Social Security more than they should, but through no fault of their own? And these were families or young people that did not have $17,000 to give back to Social Security. John. That's all in the book, Social Security Horror Stories, and the website, socialsecurityhorrorstories.com. It was on 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper in November, early November, and I'm glad the New York Times has gotten around to uh, writing about it. They didn't quote my I was looking for your Larry name. Kotlikoff, yeah. who, who they interviewed. Well, then I know they interviewed Larry. Look, we, we, I have news, you know, uh, just before Christmas break. We heard from the Social Security sub, the House Ways and Means Subcommittee on Social Security. They're taking action. We spent, I'm allowed to say this, we spent a couple of hours with some very high level officials at Treasury discussing the problems at Social Security. Treasury, which ultimately has responsibility for Social Security, is taking action. I. It wasn't just about writing a book. It wasn't just about being on TV. It's about the two million people and more coming who, for the weirdest reasons, like you were a child, your parents collected disability, that was 25 years ago right. or 19 years ago when right. you were six. We decide, oh, your mom's dead. Well, that's okay. We're going to claw it back from you because yeah. it was really your benefit because you were six. I mean, that's a lead story in the book. And they didn't happen to use that one on 60 Minutes. It's up at our website. The fact is Social Security has for years been ineffective, has failed to compute benefits correctly, and someone got a bug now that they're going to go look through everybody who ever collected disability. <laughs> yeah. The story yeah. on Social Security that was on 60 Minutes was a young man, I know we're running up against break, but disabled. He has cerebral palsy. Social Security tried to tell him that somewhere in the past, a doctor said he was no longer disabled. I mean, so cerebral palsy doesn't go away. Now he has a job. Fortunately, he's able to do some work. They came after him. That was the, if you want to see the 60 Minutes story, go to terrysavage.com. Click on the Social Security Horror Story book. And then right on the homepage of that new website, socialsecurityhorrorstories.com, you can watch the 60 Minutes video. That's what That was the highlight, one of the highlights of that story. So yeah, they're crazy. crazy okay. And they're abusive. Well, that's the thing. And, and yet there are human beings making these decisions. You would think that if you could get to a person, you could make your case. It sounds like you can't do either. I got questions from listeners. You ready, Terry? I'm ready. Could you ask Terry about I-bonds and T-bills? Are those still a good thing to buy right now? They're the safest thing you can buy. Interest rates have started to come down. Let me take a quick look and see where T-bills are trading right now. Um, right now, six-month T-bills, you know, we had an auction at noon yesterday because Monday everything was closed. They were about five and a quarter percent. Today, about 5.27 percent. I Everybody got into the I-bond craze when, for a brief moment, reflecting the six-month adjustment for inflation, which happens every six months, November and again in May, uh, we had a head-popping 9.62%. And since then, the adjustment has come down. The base rate is up. I-bonds are something you put away for a long, long, long time. And I think most of our listeners uh, would probably do better in T-bills. That said, the Fed's releasing the minutes of its most recent meeting. The markets are predicting 
five or six rate cuts next year with almost certainty that the Fed will cut rates in March. The Fed is going, hey, don't get so far ahead of yourself. So we've seen interest rates come down. The six-month T-bill was over five and a half percent about four weeks ago. It's just over five and a quarter percent. The 10-year Treasury note on which rates are uh, mortgage rates are based was over five percent mm-hmm. uh, at the same time in early December when rates peaked, and now it's just under four percent. So we're seeing rates come down. Be prepared for that. This is your chicken money. If you bought T-bills and they mature in six months and you said, okay, roll them over automatically, which you should do, unless you're going to want the money to spend it, then let it roll over at whatever the then rate is because that rate is set at a huge global auction. All the buyers, central banks and big institutions say, this is what you should pay us, Treasury, if you want to borrow money for six months. And individual investors like you and me agree to accept that average rate. So it's a fair rate, and it's the safest place in there the world you go. for your money. It's fair and it's safe, but in the last six and 12 months, if you'd put it in an index fund, you would have done better than 5%. But, but that's not the risk. I, that's, the risk. That's, that's, that's the point. Um, and don't you wish you knew then what you know now? Um, and Crystal balls are, are, are very helpful well, in Well, do investing. you think the next 12 months we'll see a 5% increase in index funds, Terry, or six months? Well, that's a big multi-trillion dollar question. Whoever, remember our economic forecast luncheon for the Executives Club is coming up next uh, Tuesday. So on Wednesday, I will report to you what Dr. Bob, our stellar (laughs) forecaster, has to say. Dr. Bob has been bullish right along, but no one on our illustrious panel said the Dow, I mean, the S&P will be up 24% and the NASDAQ will be up 40, almost 44%. In fact, I take a poll every year of whether people think, I remember, I think I gave some very wide bands last year, and I said, how many in the audience, this is 1,500 smart people, you know, coming to this executives club luncheon, how many think the Dow will be over 40,000? I think one person, I said, oh, good, I want your email address, come up to me afterward. I gave them a broad range, 36,000, where we were then, to to 40,000, about half thought, maybe it would even be lower than Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 36,000. So I have learned, believe me, I've been around a long, long, long time now. This will be the 44th year that I'm moderating that economic forecast luncheon. And what I have learned is that the market, here's an old mentor once said to me, the market always fools the greatest number of people. And a second long ago mentor of mine said, Terry, you don't have to beat the market, just be the market. And over the long run, you'll do just fine. When I started investing, I remember when the Dow was below 1,000. Goodness gracious. <laughs> All you had to do is buy an index fund and hold on to it. Well, we don't have to beat the market. We're over 37,000. You said something sort of interesting a moment ago. You said if, you know, get your I-bonds and that's the money that you're going to have in that product for a long time. For a long time, right? Because you get a, uh, lose a quarter's interest as a penalty if you sell before five, five years. Five years. Well, I, I guess define long time then, John. But I mean, so when we talk about T bills and I bonds, T bills would be sh- because the return has been similar um, on those investments, but the Treasury bills would be more shorter term and I bonds longer term. Yeah, because you break out of them without penalty at maturity, or you can automatically renew them. Look, I. 
anybody around here who's heard me talk about chicken money forever and ever and ever, five, six years ago, five years ago, maybe it still was, six years ago, you were earning a quarter of 1% on yeah. T-bills. Yeah. I mean... So why did we do First that? All, why did anybody put money in T-bills when it because, was... Because, and I held, I never, I mean, I've always had that same amount. It's the amount that lets me sleep at night, and everybody has to determine. You know, in hindsight, do I wish I had had all that money in the stock market? Absolutely, because we, I mean, during that period, the Dow was, I mean, it's been dramatically increased. But you have to sort out what's my chicken money, lets me sleep at night, and then... You could stick with your commitment to the stock market when it goes up and down. Yeah, that's, right. To well, me, that's the only way that makes sense. Now, look, John, I was the founding member of the first woman trader and a founding member of the Chicago Board Options Exchange. If I was ever going to be a good trader, there was the moment I was right down there on the floor when it gave you a significant advantage. I'm not a good trader. It didn't take me very long to figure that out. But I've been a very good long-term investor by believing that over the long run, you're going to come out ahead in the market. Terry, can we start with some of those questions that we mentioned yeah, before the news? Fact, yeah, in fact, I've um, spent some of that news time, half listening, but um, searching for this issue of a pay. Now, if you have minor children and you're already collecting Social Security, those minor children are entitled to Social Security. And I'm looking at online and it says if the recipient is a minor child social security will typically appoint the biological or adoptive parent who has custody mm -hmm. as a representative payee yeah. however there are other cases where the let's see where did i find this However, a representative payee may be an organization such as a social services agency or a person or relative or friend of the beneficiary whom we select to receive and manage benefit payments on behalf of the beneficiary. So here's what I'm going to ask that person to do. And boy, did I get overloaded. I sent my newsletter out with a link to my blog, but I'll look for this one. If, you, uh, if your ex-spouse will not agree to serve as the payee, and try and get your ex-spouse to put that in writing in an email, then let me connect you. I finally have someone who has agreed not to deal with all my crazy Social Security clawback cases, but someone who said, yes, I will help you with issues that are about, about rules, about stuff like this. It's mm -hmm. not about those clawbacks. And yeah. I said, that's a great deal. Thank you. I need I need someone to help. So if you post that question, I'll have your name. I won't. I never publish names and emails. And I will see if I can get you an answer for how to get yourself or perhaps someone else named as a representative payee for that child if your spouse who has custody of your minor child will not do it for you. And that's the case at terrysavage.com. Terry, we've talked about this before, so don't go long, but just give me a short answer to what do you think about a 64-year-old now buying long-term health care? Long-term care insurance is probably the perfect time, assuming you have some money to invest in it. Olden days, this was the sweet spot. You'd buy in your 50s or 60s, and they set the price based on your age, and it all of a sudden, the premiums went started going up 
as the long-term care companies couldn't make enough with low interest rates, et cetera. So they went around all the states and said, we're going to go out of business unless you let us raise our premiums. They have done that. The current form of long-term care insurance, and the shortcut for this is go to terrysavage.com, put long-term care insurance in the search box, is either a one pay or a 10 pay where you're actually putting money into combined life and long-term care insurance policy. That means the premiums can never go up. The benefits get adjusted for inflation. And in those articles, you'll find my favorite, uh, the only ones in the Chicago area, uh, long-term care specialist Gordon and Associates at 800-533-6242. You don't need to use my name. I get nothing out of this. I want you to go to an expert specialist, 800-533-6242. And if you have some money, or maybe even money that's in an IRA that you can use to buy a long-term care insurance policy by putting, probably you're talking about putting $100,000 in, but maybe over 10 years. Um, If you're alone and nobody around, you want to make sure that you get care that's probably the best thing you, you can do with that One pay or money. ten pay. So one payment of a hundred thousand, or maybe over ten years, ten thousand dollars, something like right, that. Right, exactly. Okay. Something like that. They'll work it out for you. Yeah. They're experts in knowing. You know, you reveal to them, this is what I have. Well, you don't want to use all your money and lock it up in that policy. The thing about these policies, if you die without using the care, then you've named a beneficiary. Your two or three children can share. And there's a good death benefit, too. If what you about this? 847 care. says, Happy New Year. I have $30,000 that I will need in a year and a half, but not at the moment. Where would Terry recommend to park it until it is needed? So you said park it, which means I don't want to risk it and lose it. In that case, go to terrysavage.com on the right-hand side, how to buy treasury bills. Buy six-month T-bills, roll them over when they mature, and then if you still have another six months, roll them over again. You can put specified two automatic rollovers. Um, you won't get rich, but you sure won't get poor. And at maturity, it's there for you. This is uh, Tom. Tom, what can we do for you? You're on WGN with Terry Savage. Hi, Terry. Thanks for uh, uh, getting my question. Um, I just want to briefly, briefly summarize my situation. And, uh, you know, I'm a 70 plus year old um, and, uh, you know, we have a house bought and paid for, you know, you know, uh, you know, very well. Anyway, um, I took out a home equity loan way back years ago, uh, just in the event of a new roof, a new furnace, a new car, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've used them, you know, for the roof and for the car, et cetera, and I've paid them. Now, all of a sudden, um, I, I took out a loan, uh, and now the, the situation is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now facing what, what I want to do is pay them off. So I, 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 I try to pay them off in full, and I'll tell you how it works. You go to PNC Bank Online, and they, they give you your current um, balance due. So I transmitted that, uh, you know, electronically, uh, you know, transferred it from my bank account to them. Um, and then the next thing I know, I got an additional, you know, uh, a kicker. So I called them and they said, well, you know, the, the statement that we gave you online does not, is not up to date. I said, you got to be kidding me. And, I'll, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. I paid them on October 5th. My payments are due on October 15th. So I paid them on October 5th, balance due in full. And so when I got, uh, you know, I, I come down the block and all of a sudden I'm getting a late late fee. 
And I said, you got to be kidding. And I said, how do I pay this thing off? Well, guess what, Tom? Uh, I on. happen to, yes. I happen to know, because she's called me before, that we have an oh. avid listener who's an executive at PNC Bank. Hope she's listening today. Oh, yeah. Because if so, oh, I know you. she's going to email me or call me. So um, why don't you post... So I take it it's still an outstanding issue and they're still billing you and they're giving you. But I also take it it's not a lot of money. I mean, if the difference is the amount that had accrued over a few days and a penalty, how much money are we talking about here? John, I'll tell you what. It started out to be, I got got four different answers. One came out as $40, including the late charge. The next person I called was $87. The next person I called was $113. And the last person was not whatever. And I just got a statement today in the mail. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. Do you, you, are you sitting down? The, <laughs> the balance due? No, really. Right. I'm serious. My, my my balance due now is $3,900. So, Wait, I mean, what? Terry, give me the executive PNC. I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do because you can't do this on my blog. Please don't email me. I just I don't get to emails the way I get to blog posts because I just sit down and go through blog posts. Terry at terrysavage.com. Scan that that bill. Get, leave your name and phone number, and um, I'll I'll find out for you and I'll report back, John, next week. Okay, Terry, we won't have to use your name. Write to Terry at terrysavage.com. Write to me. Give me your phone number. Scan and if you can, you have a scanner on your printer. Attach it. And and write the whole story and your phone number. I promise I will. I know that this woman's going to call me. I just got a feeling about that. Okay. All if right. If not, Tom. I'll find out. Good luck to you on that. Um, do we have time for one more question here before the break? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to this texter. A question for Terry Savage: Is there any way to know if my four hundred one k contributions are on track, or should I be increasing my payments? Is there any kind of contribution table? I'm thirty two years old. And I've been at my present employment for four years. How much should I have in my 401k right now, says Caleb? Well, you could, depending on your income, you could have contributed about $25,000 on average over the last four years. So it would really be nice if you had seventy-five dollars or $100,000 in there. It would have been easier if they match you either 50 cents on the dollar or 100 cents on the dollar immediately. Go in now because this is the time of year to do it. Go into the HR department and you ask them two questions. You're matching me, aren't you? Am I contributing enough to get the full match? And then number two, how much are you taking out of each of my paychecks? Uh, you know what? Take an extra 100 or $200. Believe me, if you don't see it, you won't spend it, you won't miss it. Add to your contributions. But given the allowable contributions, assuming you make enough money, um, you could have a lot of money in there now. And time leverages money. So the more you put in now, the bigger the bang down the road. And is it, but there is a max on how much you can put in per year. Oh, right? yeah. But I don't think any 32 year olds are ever getting near putting in the max, and but, a lot depends on your income. Well, is it like $25,000 or something like that? Or 20, what's the maximum? Oh, it's, you put in uh, the, I'm, I'm going to get it for you in right a 401K. now. 401k. The maximum 401k employ, in 2024, employees could contribute up to 23000 yeah. into their 401k. That's a $500 jump from 2023 limits. But, you know, your your boss may match 50 cents on the dollar for the first $5,000 you contribute. For sure get the match. That's like a 50% increase in your balance right away. And, uh, again, if you don't see it, you won't spend it. Take a look. I'll give you the formula. Take a look at your paycheck. You see how much is being deducted out of each paycheck for FICA? Make sure that you put 
exactly that same amount into your 401k plan every month. Yeah, I know you're going to be broke, but at least you'll be broke when you're young, not when you're old and can't do anything about it. That's Terry Savage, 312-981-7200. Let's um, continue with this conversation after we do a quick round of some business. We'll start with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute during Chicago's business news of the day. Prudential Plaza in Chicago is about to undergo a major renovation aimed at helping land new tenants in a tight office market. Cranes reports the owners of the two-tower Prudential Complex are planning a $50 million project spread over the next four years that will add a rooftop deck at one Prudential Plaza connected to the adjacent two Prudential Plaza. The deck will include a pickleball court, putting green, and a new bar overlooking Millennium Park. Plans include a fitness center renovation and lobby updates for both buildings. Chicago-based Kellanova has a new viral mascot. The Kellogg spinoff with popular snack brands like Cheez-Its, Pringles, and Rice Krispies treats debuted the new mascot Monday at the Pop-Tarts Bowl in Orlando. The smiling Pop-Tarts mascot was lowered into a giant toaster holding a sign that red dreams really do come true. Members of the winning team then pulled off pieces to eat after the mascot descended into the giant toaster. Fans created memes and videos of the stunt went viral. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's the business of food with Steve Alexander. Mm-hmm, thank you. And if you're feeling pretty good about yourself every time you put a piece of plastic in a recycle bin, consider this. It's unfortunately not a real solution to the plastic pollution problem. Who that is after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox. So if you're putting plastic in your recycle box? There's hundreds of different types of plastics. Unfortunately, only a few of them are truly recyclable based on the infrastructure that we have. And right now, we only recycle about 5% of our waste in the U.S. That's Dylan Baxter, co-founder and CEO of Plant Switch, which is? A material science company where we turn plants into plastic. And how does that work? We take agricultural byproducts. Such as the stuff that flies out the back of the combine. No food value, but it does contain cellulose. And we convert those byproducts into a plastic alternative that looks, feels, and works like a plastic, but it is compostable. It's a true sustainable alternative to plastic that consumers will still love to use. Yeah, we've had a love affair with plastics going back to the movie The Graduate in 1967. Just one word. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. There's a great future in plastics. He wasn't lying, but the new plastic is made with plants. Plastic itself is not a bad thing. It's that it's made from petroleum. And as scientists have been discovering, it breaks down into tiny particles. Particles that are so small you can barely even see them. And he says they wind up causing mayhem in our bodies. Things like cancer, like heart disease, inflammation. In fact, join me tomorrow at this time for a new investigation from Consumer Reports showing petroleum-based plastic has worked its way into nearly everything we eat and drink. But today we're talking Plant Switch. Plastic made with no petroleum? No petroleum. PlantSwitch.com for more info on how they take farm field leftovers and make a resin which is turned into single-use knives, forks, and spoons, and... People are also using our material to make things like caps, containers, lids, sunglasses, golf tees, divot tools. All of it coming from the farm. On the food calendar, today's national chocolate-covered cherry day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. TerrySavage.com. Hey, Terry, you ready for more questions? Absolutely. Um, hey, Terry, I've got a question. Can a living will or trust dictate how my money can or cannot be used? Specifically, if I inherit money, can a will 
or trust establish that any inherited money can only be used for certain purchases. My in-laws have a lot of debt. We're worried the siblings will come after my inheritance to pay for the parents' debt. How about that? Whoa, there's so many um, misconceptions here. I don't know where to start. Let's uh, start with this. A living will is merely the document that you sign that says, if I'm on life support, don't do this or don't do that. This is what I want done. So erase the term living will. That's just the end of life uh, directive that you sign. A revocable living trust is a document that now let's assume we're talking about your parents would make that is even better than a will because they not only include all the things they want distributed at their death, but they also include um, a successor trustee who could act if either either one of them will be the successor trustee if the other one's incapacitated, has a stroke. Now they both die, or the second one of them dies. And the trust says, here's how we want things to be distributed. I'm going to sell everything and divide it equally among my five children. That's what happens. The successor trustee is legally obligated to make that distribution. Now, you've heard of this hand from the grave stuff with a will that, but my son doesn't get this unless he's produced an heir by the time he's 35. It's the stuff of romance novels, I guess. Um, You can include those things in a will, but those things generate typically a challenge. And I've never heard of them being included in a revocable living trust. But if your real concern is the debt of your parents, if unless it's, or your in-laws or those parents, if it's a secure debt, like a mortgage on the house, then the bank will have a lien. And when you sell the house, they will take the loan back. But if it's credit card debt, and if it's a car loan, well, they'll repossess the car and sell it for whatever it's worth. They can't come after you for that. And if it's credit card debt that they have, when they die, they die and the debt dies with them. It's unsecured debt. But if I leave money to my kid and then my kid's spouse's parents need money, maybe she'll cajole him to say, hey, mom and dad could use some of the $100,000 your parents just left us. Let's get it. And I'll bet you don't have much recourse in that. You're gone and it's their money. Oh, once you're gone, you've left. That's why you have a lawyer draw up your revocable living trust and give instructions of how you want it distributed. Right, but that's the distribution. Once it's distributed to that kid, once it's distributed, that's it. You're done. You can't. You can't then tell. You're you, done. you can't come back from the grave and say, "Yeah, but I don't want you to buy a new car or invest no, it no, wisely." No, no, you, no, you, no, it's no. out of your reach. It, there could be certain clauses, but there's always so. I mean, as I said, they're the stuff of romance novels. Yeah. That may be the case when a trust is set up separately. As a result of your revocable living trust, I'm going to create a a trust for little Johnny. And because he's a drug addict, I'm going to name Susie, his sister, to invest this money and distribute it only for his well-being and care. That's a kind of a permanent trust you can set up for someone that you want to Mm -hmm. uh, take care of in a different way. But once the money is distributed... According to the terms of the revocable living trust, you die, they sold everything, they paid off your home loan, your car loan, uh, and then there's money left over. It's yours. It's yours. And by the way, if you're married, okay, you're the one that receives it. If you're married, unless you put that in a joint account with your spouse, your spouse doesn't have access to it in a divorce or any other way. So your parents might have told you, 
we're going to leave you each a million dollars. But I'm not so sure about these women or men you're married to. So please keep it in a separate account and until you commingle it by buying a house with your joint name or something like that. That's your money, and it's not part of a divorce settlement if that were, were to happen. You know I'm going to ask you? I'm just going to share this also Carrie. with Carrie Peck. Carrie Peck, yes. PeckRitchie.com. Right. Go to PeckRitchie.com, and uh, his consultation is free. And I've got about 45 seconds left. Uh, what else do you want to drop in our ears at the start of this year? Oh, I don't want to preach. You all know, you can read the top 10 things to do, but I'm always shocked by people who say to me, I mean, people who know me who say to me, you know, I heard you talking about credit card debt. What, what, what do I really do? And I say, how much do you owe? Well, I, you know, I don't really exactly, but I mean, I, uh, it's a lot. Sit down and write it down. The bills are coming in right now. Total it up. Pick one card. Take the current minimum monthly payment double it. So the minimum monthly payment this month is $100, write down $200. Pay $200 every month on that card, not double the new minimum, but that original doubled amount. Don't charge another penny on that credit card and you will be paid off in about two and a half years, certainly less than three years. You know, don't dig a deeper hole for yourself by going into more debt. Don't go running around trying to transfer balances now. Make a plan of attack, and that's how you attack credit card debt. And I'll leave you with this toll-free number for Consumer Credit Counseling Services, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, 800-388-2227. If you couldn't deal with it the way I said, make a list, take a look at it, make a vow, don't charge any more on that credit card. If you can't deal with it that way, call 800-388-2227. Nonprofit, not a ripoff. Contact them, and they will help you out over the phone or with an appointment. We had lots of phone numbers and uh, numbers in general on the podcast today or on the broadcast today, and this will be podcast. So if you want to hear it again or share it with your friends, go to WGNRadio.com. Once we're off the air, give us a little time and we'll put it all there. You can also find Terry's stuff at terrysavage.com. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Absolutely.